talking and it don't make sense Tell me what it's all about The truth is stranger the closer you get To the who, what, where, when, how Absurd is the word, guess what I heard Absurd is the word, guess what I heard Guess what I heard Guess what I heard Hi, this is Know What I Heard, and this episode is about adoption. My friend Beth joined me to share her adoption story. She and her husband Rocky had a very interesting adoption journey. It was very heartbreaking and devastating at times, but their story has a very happy ending. Going into this, I didn't have a huge understanding of the adoption process. I knew that it could take a very long time to adopt a child, and I knew that it was often very expensive, um, but didn't really understand the involvement of adoption agencies and other companies and how the birth mothers were screened. And so this interview was very eye-opening for me. I really appreciate Beth taking the time to share their incredible story. So here it is. So I'll just kind of leave it up to you, whatever part of your story you want to tell. Well, yeah. So, I mean, to start off, I would say I always wanted to have kids. And when I met my husband, I asked him right away. I just knew. I was like, you had a vasectomy, didn't you? I just knew. He had two kids. They were older. There was just something. I just felt like all guys in the suburbs have vasectomies after they have two kids. And he's like, I, I did. And um, he's like, is that a deal breaker? I'm like, well, I, I really want to have kids. And so immediately we kind of started looking into like, what would our options be? And we saw that IVF could still uh, be done with him having had a vasectomy. And this poor guy, like, they have to go in to their nuts and with a long-ass needle and pull out the sperm. Um, so my husband did that several times for me. So, um, <laughs> But it was funny because we were forced to have this conversation, like, very early on in our relationship. And I think that kind of, I don't know, like, sped things up with us, maybe solidified, like, that this was you know, a, a, a real relationship, we wanted to be together because we were really like diving in deep, you know, like right away. Right. Yeah. Because I wasn't going to go, if he would have said, no, I don't want kids. Then I think we probably just would have had like two dates and that would have been it just because that's <laughs> something like I really wanted. Um, so we got married and we started IVF right away. And I had always wanted to adopt, but I wanted to have like one or two of my own, I say in quotes, um, first, I wanted to like experience pregnancy. I wanted to know what that felt like. And, um, so we embarked on that IVF process and I want to say we had like four or five cycles and they all ended with no baby. And, um, the doctor was just like, listen, it's, it's you, it's your eggs. They're old <laughs> and, and, uh, decrepit and, there's nothing you're going to be able to do, basically. Um, and so he said, you know, your options are donor egg or adoption. And I was like immediately like, I want to adopt. I did not want to entertain uh, donor eggs at all. I just felt like there had to be a purpose to it. You know what I mean? If, if I wasn't yeah. 
be able to have a baby on my own through my own body, then I wanted it to mean something. And I'm like, I, I don't need to have a baby just to have a baby. Like I can, I want to adopt then. And, um, my husband just was not there. And it's so funny because we reflect back on that now. And it's like hard to even say that he felt that way because like he loves our son so much. So it's, um, it's, I don't know. It's, it's like, I hate to even say that out loud that he wasn't mm-hmm. worth it. His attitude towards the whole thing was, listen, I have two kids. They're both healthy. And I just don't want to go down that road. Like if it's not going to happen for you and I together creating a baby, then it just isn't going to happen. And so, um, he kind of pushed me into the direction of let's try donor eggs. Like let's exhaust that resource first. So we did two rounds of donor eggs. And that was like the weirdest experience of my life because it was like, I say it was like Tinder, but for like having a baby, you know, you're like looking right. at all different women and you're like, I don't know, you know, or trying to find someone that looks like you or is, you know, resembles you in some way so that, I don't know, that maybe it feels a little bit more normal because I remember thinking like, well, I have nothing against having a child that's of another race, but I'm going to be pregnant with this child. So like, <laughs> we're probably not going to go run around and tell people that it's donor eggs. Cause people were like, what is a donor egg? Like that was so hard for them to even fathom. So I'm like, you know, it's going to kind of be a lot of explaining if I'm like, Oh, hi, I have an Asian baby. You know what I mean? And I delivered it. People would be like, what? So we were trying to kind of like make it as, I don't even want to say normal because what is normal? Like as normal as that, unnormal situation could be. Um, so when that failed, I was like kind of a mess and I just said, you know, I really, really want to adopt. And my husband, it was just like that. He was like, okay. And he was like, I know that if we don't do this, like you're never going to be happy. Um, and that you'll like resent me for the rest of your life for not like allowing that and giving that to you. So on to adoption. Um, Everything I read about adoption and all the people that I spoke with kind of made it seem like, okay, well, this is going to be a really long process and, you know, buckle in, this could be years. So we decided to go with an agency instead of venturing out on our own. We felt like we had spent so much money on IVF and so much time, wasted time. And so we were like, we just want to do this as like quickly as easily like has me hold our hands through this we don't want to get scammed like that was like something that went through our head like we we just want to like we want this to be as pain free as possible so we um went with an agency and it did not take long at all like we were shocked we started the process in june And at the end of July, we had gotten all of our clearances, finished all of our paperwork, and we were in their system. And basically what that meant was they would send us emails every week. Some days you'd get three, four emails. Some days you'd get none. Um, But they were mothers from all over the country, and they were looking to have their babies adopted. And so you apply for that situation, if that makes sense. Right. And a lot of the babies, I will say this, that we were seeing were um, exposed to drugs. I would say 95% of the cases that came to us 
were um, mother is going to prison, mother is addicted to heroin, mother is still using heroin, um, mother is a um, methamphetamine user, she's supposedly off of it now, but you know, it like there was just so many, like you would read these, these cases about these women and their situations and your heart would just break. And then that brings on a whole other, like a whole other, I don't want to say like, I'm trying to find the right word. It just brings on a whole other set of problems because now you're like figuring, okay, um, what is this baby going to be born with? Like what, mental problems or addictions or, you know, like health problems will this child have because of, you know, being exposed to heroin for nine months or, or whatever the drug. So we were, um, we were so excited when we started the process, but we quickly were like, wow, this is not what we expected. And, and someone said to me, um, I think it was one of our caseworkers said, you know, if, if these situations were like rainbows and butterflies, they wouldn't be giving their baby up for adoption to begin with. So, you know, these women aren't in the best situations. They don't have like loving homes and, you know, like problem-free lives. They, they do have issues in their life and that's what's preventing them from keeping their babies and that's why they're putting them up for adoption. So, um, so we dealt with a lot of, you know, just sadness in that regard. And um, two weeks into the process, we finally got a case. It was the first case we got that there was no drug exposure, no alcohol exposure. The woman wasn't a smoker. I mean, it was like a unicorn. Like we, we called her our unicorn because all of a sudden here was this like perfect situation. And this woman was um, living in Alabama. She already adopted out four other children. And so something I had learned going into this process you know, a woman, a woman can change her mind at any point during the process. So you can, um, commit to each other and she can say, Hey, I'm going to, you know, give you my child to raise. And then at any point she can be like, I've changed my mind. And I respect that. And of course that should always be an option. Um, but that can be a devastating loss because you don't get money back. You know, any money that was spent, it doesn't come your way. And you do get attached like immediately when you, you know, bond with the mother or you think like you have a child coming, you automatically, you know, bond and, um, get excited for it. So a lot of adoptive parents have this fear that the mom will change her mind. And again, you are okay with it. If it happens like in your mind, you're like, okay, that's their choice. That's their right. That's their child. But you hope that it doesn't happen. And what we had learned was that if a woman has given up a child before in the past, they are less likely to change their mind during the process. Right. Like they've been through it, they've experienced the shock of it. You know what I mean? They know what to expect. Like they've been there before. Right. So when we got this case, we're like, okay, not only has this child not been exposed to drugs or alcohol, but this woman has been through this four times before. And so this, this is it. This is our kid. Like we're going to apply for this one. So, we sent in our application and two days later we got a phone call and they said, she picked you. I think she had like 50 applicants and, um, and, and we were the ones she picked. And in that moment, I'm like, man, this is so easy. What are people talking about? Adoption <laughs> right, is yeah. cake. You know, I'm Perfect. like, we started in June. 
it's the end of July. It's now two weeks into us being like in this process. We've already been matched and the baby is due in January. I'm like, oh my <laughs> God. I'm like, I would have done this from the beginning had I known it was going to be so easy, you know? Right. Because everybody warned us. Everybody said, oh, it's going to take, it can take years. So here we are, like not even two months and we're expecting a baby. Um, so what were, what were your like costs at that point? Like what, once you start that process with an agency, like what, if, if like a mother backs out, like what are you already yeah. invested? So we went with an agency that was known for having like really quick match times. Okay. So, because like I said, having gone through everything with the IVF and the donor eggs and everything else, we just wanted a baby. <laughs> so we just, I wanted to be a mother and I'm like, we'll pay the money. We'll do what we have to do. And, um, it was so expensive. It was like criminally expensive. I think it, like, I think there has to be some sort of reform when it comes to what it costs to adopt. Um, you know, you spend a few thousand dollars to get your background checks and, just to get all of like, you know, your, your, your book together that the, that the moms will look at and, um, just like administration costs. Right. You know, that. Yeah. And then, um, when that's all over and all your clearances passed, I believe we had to give them like $8,000 just to get into their Jeez. system. Once we gave them this $8,000, we were now in their system and we could be in their system forever. Like we will, we don't have to pay that $8,000 again. And that $8,000 got us access to those birth moms. You know, they, we, we got those cases sent to us in emails. Once we matched, like once we picked that mom and that mom picked us, then I believe it was another, I want to say it was like another $8,000 to the agency. And then it was $14,000 to um, they are called facilitators. Wow. So, okay. I feel like I'm all over the place and I know there's like, so many <laughs> there's so many facets to this. So adoption agencies work with other adoption agencies, facilitators, they work with different adoption attorneys and that's how they grow their network. And that's how an agency that has fast match times can have fast match times because okay. they're not just working with local birth mothers. They're working with women all over the country. Okay. So they were working with several different agencies, facilitators, and attorneys throughout the country. The facilitator that brought us this case, her name was Shay. She was from Alabama. Shay came to us through Adopt Connect. I believe that was the name of the agency. And what happened was we kind of didn't, as most people don't, most people don't understand how this all works. We still don't to this day. But um, the facilitators, they don't really do anything except fill out an application for this woman. So she contacts them. They'll spend money and they advertise all over, right? And they basically spend their money advertising in uh, low-income areas of the country. They advertise in low-income areas of the country. If you're pregnant, if you need help, contact us. These women then see these ads, they contact what they believe to be adoption agencies, but really, again, they're just facilitators. This adoption agency, quote unquote, um, they 
fill out an intake form on them. So the intake form is like, oh, what's your name? How old are you? How far along are you? Um, what's the father's situation? They do just very minimal information. You know, like, do you smoke? Do you take drugs? And it's all based on what this woman tells them, right? right. They're not really meeting with these women in person. Um, the facilitator we used was in, I believe it was Iowa, and our birth mom was in Alabama. So they weren't sitting down together, you know what I mean? Like meeting, right. having doing drug screenings. Right. There was no like, yeah, screenings, nothing like of any um like legitimacy going on here. So they get this information, they come up with a monthly amount that this mother should be paid for her expenses, and then they send this out to people like all over the country. And then once that mother is matched with somebody, they get a $14,000 check mailed to them. And that's all wow. they do. And then they're out, they're done. Their job is literally done. And we were not prepared for that. We thought this was an agency that knew this woman, you know what I mean? That was working with her, had met her, had spent time with her. And we thought, okay, they're going to hold her hand during this process. And our agency is going to hold our hand during this process. And we're going to have professionals involved, right? But that's not how it was. So as soon as we signed on with this woman, they're like, yeah, you have to send us a $14,000 check before we release any information about her. Like, before you, we could talk to her. We had one phone conversation and that's for her to decide if she wants to match with us and for us to, you know, make that decision as well. Right. That's it. So if we both say, yeah, we're, we're happy. We want to move forward. No information is shared. Like we don't know her name, where she lives, nothing. It's like fake names and everything until they get their money. And it's like, they have to get it. It has to be wire transferred to them. Wow. <laughs> so Everything about it felt so sketchy and so wrong. But now at this point, you're like, well, we've spoken to her on the phone. She's really sweet. We really like her. And you know what? We've come this far. Hey, what's $14,000, you know, right? to have a child? We're like, okay. I mean, it was a lot of money. It's not like we had it sitting around by any means. But, you know, we're like in the grand scheme of things. We look at life, you know, what's $14,000 to have a child, you know, a little person. Right. So, um, came up with money, we did everything we were supposed to do. And they were literally like, okay, see ya. And I just remember kind of throwing a fit, like, hold on a second. Like you're gone. That's it. Like, what do we do now? And they're like, oh, you just stay in contact with her. And we're like, okay, but we're in Pennsylvania and she's in Alabama. Like I, it was just so crazy because there was literally nothing, like no one was there to like supervise this to like, it was just, they have their money, the, our agency had their money, and then we were supposed to send Shay money. And I want to say it was like maybe like $1,500 a month or something, and that was to cover like her expenses while right. she was pregnant. And so we got our agency to kind of be a mediator it wasn't really what they would normally do, but they agreed to do it for us. And so all the money that we sent her went through the agency. They paid her in like money orders. Um, and right away I started having like this anxiety over it. And I'm like, something's off. Like I can't what it is. I don't know why I feel this way. And I remember my friends and my parents and my husband and everybody being like, what is it? 
like, why do you feel this way? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I just have this like intuition. It's so strong right now that something's wrong. No, she's perfect. She's given children up before. She sent you pictures of the kids she gave up before. She's so sweet to you when you talk to her. Like, what could be wrong? So about a week into the whole process, it started. And and it started with um, texts about she needed more money. She didn't have enough. This was not enough money for her to live. And she needed more money. And she had expenses. And it was like, all the time it was like a constant like we were a bank and it was like constant like my furniture like panic calls panic my furniture is gonna get repoed and they're coming at five o'clock today and if you don't get this money to me i don't know what i'm gonna do and i'm pregnant and i'm gonna be sleeping on the floor and you can't have a pregnant woman sleeping on the floor wow no you're right you can't have a pregnant woman sleeping on the floor <laughs> and you know in this moment you're like that's our child like as odd as that is to think about, cause you don't know this person, you don't have any connection with them, but like you're already like bonded to that child. And so you're, you want to protect. That's like your instinct. You know what I mean? Right away is I got to protect this child. I got to make sure they're healthy, they're safe, they're loved, they're all those things. So we would call it the agency and we beg the agency to send them some more money. And the agency was kind of like dragging their feet on it. They were like, eh, well, we don't think she needs it. And she shouldn't be calling you and asking you for money, which they were right. She shouldn't have been. But when you've already invested thousands upon thousands of dollars and there is a no money back clause, like it says it, right. you won't get your money back. Okay. So like no one's giving you your money back if this does not work, if she changes her mind you're, you're like, what's another $500 at this point? Cause if she changes her mind, we've now lost tens of thousands, you know what I mean? So we'll do whatever it takes. And I mean, we started getting into like arguments with our own agency and our own caseworker girl, because she would be like giving her an attitude. Like she would talk to Shay for us and they would get in like an argument. They'd get into a fight. And then Shay would text me and be like, I think I need to find another family. I don't like your agency. I don't like your caseworker. I don't want to be treated like this. They treat me like I'm doing something wrong. I, I, I can't do this. I think I need to find another family. And I'm getting these messages while I'm at work. <laughs> I mean, I'm getting these messages and I'm having like panic attacks and I'm calling her and I'm no, 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 no. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. Whatever it takes, we'll figure it out. And then there's a part of you in your head. That's like, I feel like I'm buying a child and I don't want to buy a child. Right. You know what I mean? Like this isn't what I signed up for. So you start to have all these conflicting thoughts about, do we keep going down this road because we've spent so much money and we don't want to lose it? Or do we put the brakes on because it feels and seems unethical or wrong you know what I mean but then we're like well she doesn't want her baby so we're helping this baby so is it wrong you know what I mean? there's just so many right. things that, that kind of go through your mind um but yeah I'm sorry that was a long tangent you asked about how much money you spent <laughs> and I would say all in all at that point we probably were like over 30 some thousand dollars forty thousand dollars in um with no guarantee that you know we would end up with a baby so the problems kept coming. Like 
all the time. She was calling me and telling me that, you know, she needed more money. And if she couldn't get the money, then she might have to pick another family. Like she was always dangling the baby over me. And she was supposed to find out what she was having um, in August. Was like August. I want to say it was like August twenty fifth. She was gonna find out what she was having. So obviously, we're so excited. You know, we're like, oh my god, what are we having? At this point, we just know it's a baby. You know, that's doing great. We don't know the sex, so we're so excited. And she's like messaging me all day long, and she's asking me like, are you excited? Like, which do you want, a boy or a girl? And I mean, I'm just like, this is like the most exciting day of my life because I'm gonna find out like what are we having? And then I'm going to be able to decorate and buy clothes and do all these. And her appointment was supposed to be at 12. And then it's, oops, she had it wrong. It was two. And then I don't hear from her and I'm texting her and I'm texting her and nothing. And I'm, you know, panicking at this point. My parents had come out to the house because we were going to have like, you know, some drinks and some pizza and celebrate whatever we were having. And the hours are just like ticking by and she's not responding and she's not answering my calls. And then finally she sends me this message like around eight o'clock at night. And she's like, do you want to know what it is? And I'm like, Oh my God. Yes, of course. What is it? And she's like immediately goes into like needing money for something and how she is having some problem with some bill and can I send her this money or can I have the, the caseworker send her money right away? And then she's like, oh yeah, it's a boy. Just like, just like teased me, got me so excited all day long just to kind of leave me hanging there and then asks for money. And then it's just like, oh yeah, by the way, you know, like, it's it was like an, an afterthought, like an, like a little afterthought. And it's funny because that day sticks out to me. as like one of the just most horrible days. Like it was just all the anxiety and the stress and everything I felt that day. And time went on and all the problems continued and day in, day out, I had all this anxiety and I just thought, man, I knew we were making a mistake. I knew we shouldn't have done this. And she kept reassuring me. Like I would have these like heart to heart conversations with her. Like, are you sure you want to do this? Are you sure you're committed to this? because I don't want to push you to do something you don't want to do. And she would get like almost offended with me that I would ask her if she was serious about this. I asked her if she wanted me to be in the delivery room with her. And at this point, I just knew like there was a lot of shady stuff that was going on, a lot of um, stories that were changing. And so I, at this point, I was kind of bracing myself for this not happening. And she got offended. Like, of course I want you in the room. How dare you even ask me that? Like, Rocky, I don't want you in the room, but I definitely want Beth there holding my hand. I want her with me. So every time I got, like, just to the edge of the cliff, she kind of pulled me back in and made me feel like everything's okay. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's your baby. This is so exciting. I'm so happy that I chose you. Blah, blah, blah. So um, on... Uh, like mid-October, like almost the end of October, and we get a phone call from our attorney. So we had, okay, let me back this up. So there's so many people involved in an adoption. Like you have to have a special attorney, an adoption attorney involved. And if you're adopting out of state, you need to get an attorney 
that can practice in that state. And they have to get all these things kind of set up before you show up and take the baby. There's all sorts of rules that, you know, so much time has to clear and pass before you can cross state lines with the baby. So there's like a lot of things that you don't even really know about or learn about until you're so deeply in it. So we chose an attorney and she flipped out at the attorney that we chose. And she's like, oh my God, that is a terrible person. You cannot go with that person. They are a criminal. I mean, she went off about this person and how they had been accused down in Alabama of like selling babies. And she had heard of this person. She wanted nothing to do with this attorney. So you better find another attorney because I will not work with that one. So we're like, oh shit, okay, what do we do? You know, who the fuck are we gonna call now? Like, we have no idea like who an adoption attorney is in Mobile, Alabama. So we get connected to this other guy. We tell her that we found this other guy. She's like, okay, you know, she seemed all right with it. So he calls her and they talk and he kind of said to us like, something's off with her. Like, I don't know what it is. Like, hmm, how well do you know this girl? So, of course, that puts my anxiety into overdrive. But he's like, you know, I think we'll get everything worked out. I think everything should be fine. And um, we're talking to him about when we should book our flights and when we should reserve our hotel because we've got to come down there. We've got to live down there for several days so or weeks. So should we get an Airbnb? Should we get a hotel? I mean, just like all these minor stupid details, but things you really don't think about when you're, you know, in the throes of adopting, you think it's just like, you're going to walk into the hospital, take the baby, see you later. So he calls me one day and he's like, we have a problem. Do not call Shay. Do not speak to her. Don't answer her texts. I'm going to call you in a few hours with your agency and we'll talk soon. So at this point I'm like, it's over. You know, I don't know what he's going to say, but I know it can't be good. I'm like a mess. They called to tell us that in his um, research, you know, and getting everything prepared for us to come down there, he had to get her medical records. And he called the hospital that she was going to and asked for her records. And apparently another attorney did the exact same thing. And a nurse at the hospital flagged this and was like, why do I have two different adoption attorneys calling me requesting records for this one birth mom? And so this other attorney happened to be a friend of his. And the way he found this out was she called him just to have a conversation with him, just because they were old friends. She called him up. She said, oh my God, you're never going to believe what happened to me today. I've worked with this birth mother before and I called to get her medical records sent to me and the nurse is telling me that somebody else called as well and to multiple families are coming after this baby and she said man I just never thought Shay would do something like that to me and our attorney's like I'm sorry what did you say her name was Uh and here he realized oh my god I'm that other attorney I am representing this other family and that's how they find this out, right? Just kind of freakish accident and just a nurse that's sort of paying attention. So um, they're like, it's over, Beth. Like, this is fraud. She's apparently working with like four other families from what we can gather. The police are gonna arrest her. She really is pregnant. There, she's not lying about that. She really is pregnant, but she knows the system so well having 
adopted out four other children that she knew how to play it. And so she got money from you and she got money from them and she got money from them and she got money from them. And then we found out about these other families that sort of dropped out along the way. Like they had committed to her, but their red flags went off and they thought, nah, I'm not gonna move forward with this. They were, I guess, in like better financial situations that they were like, hey, we can lose the money. You know, it's no big deal. Um, so we're not really sure how many people she did this too, but she was arrested. She was sent to prison. She got like a 20 year sentence, which I thought was crazy. Luckily the judge made it, um, five years in prison and then 15 parole. So, um, but she had this long rap sheet, this ridiculously long rap sheet of fraud. Like she had committed fraud so many times. The father of the baby, they were on and off, on and off. They had adopted out one of their children previously and they were back together. And she would, so she would say things like, he's abusive, he's horrible to me. He wants nothing to do with this baby. Meanwhile, she's posting on Facebook that they're getting married, that they're decorating the baby's nursery, not realizing that her Facebook is public and I am checking her out, you know, on Facebook. Oh His rap sheet was so long. He had just gotten out of prison for, I want to say like distribution of meth or something. Like he had this ridiculously long rap sheet as well as her, but these are things that you don't find out, you know, this facilitator adopt connect, they don't tell you this. They said she had gone to prison once. For writing bad checks and we asked her about that in our very first phone conversation and she said yes i did and i learned my lesson and i never want to go back to jail and it was horrible and blah blah blah, blah. but they don't tell you oh no, no no she's a career criminal and so is he and had i known that we were working with bonnie and clyde you know what i mean we probably would have been like no we'll pass on this you know right. like an opportunity we're not willing to uh like a road we're not willing to go down so long story short, because it's been a very long story, um, we actually kind of threatened the facilitator and the agency about going public and letting everybody know like what happened. Um, we kind of said, listen, this is on you. This is your fault because your job is to vet these people. You should have been involved in this. You should have done a better job finding out like, if she was working with anybody else, like this was on you, it was your responsibility right. and you dropped the ball. And so um, we actually did go on several news programs and we didn't throw them under the bus, but they saw us on one and it put this like fear into them. So we got all of our money back. <laughs> good, good, good. Yeah, I was yeah. kind of nervous to ask that question, but I was- No, we got our money back. We, we didn't get all of it back from our agency. We got like, probably half of it back from our agency, but we got all of it back from the facilitator. Cause I, I'll tell you what, in those few weeks afterwards, I dug in like so hard on adoption laws. Um, I went out, I researched this facilitator like up and down. I found out who worked there. I found out like it was a part-time gig for most of these people. Like they worked at other jobs and like, this was like something they did on the side. I mean, it was just so ludicrous that these people were put in charge of placing babies with families 
Um, so I kind of got all my information and decks in a row. And I think at the end of the day that the gentleman who owned the uh, facilitating company realized he was, you know, not in the best position to argue with us <laughs> right. about this. So yeah, we, we got the money back and um, I think that was like the saddest and darkest time of my life right there because I was like, I did all these things to try to have a baby. I did everything I was supposed to do. And then when it came to adoption, I tried to dot all the I's and cross all the T's and do everything legally and do everything morally right and take care of this woman. And, you know, just like, I loved her. You know what I mean? I loved her because she's, even though she caused me so much anxiety and panic and discomfort, I loved her because she was doing something for me I couldn't do for myself. You know what I mean? She was giving me like the greatest gift and you bond and I had just like truly lost all faith in humanity. I lost any faith I had in God. I was like done with just the world and people. And I thought, how can someone be so cruel? Like she knew everything about me. She knew I had a miscarriage. She knew I couldn't get pregnant. She knew, she knew everything, you know? And she still was like target right on them. I'm going after them. I'm getting their money. After everything was over, one of the um, other mothers that she had promised the baby to was actually with her at her ultrasound. She was in the room holding her hand, took her to lunch that day. So she's not texting me because she can't, because she's sitting with another woman. And that just was one of the things I thought was like the absolute cruelest. So... um, yeah, so for a few weeks, I was just, like, miserable, and the only reason that we went on television to talk about it was because we were, like, something has to change. You know what I mean? People have to know what's going on. Like, people have to understand that this can happen and that there's really, like, no there's no system set up. There's no checks and balances. Like... If you are pregnant and you want to give your baby up for adoption, you would think, I think a a, a normal person would think that there would be some sort of like, I don't know, like national like website where, you know, once you've committed to giving your baby up, you're kind of put in this system matched. You know what I mean? Like this person is matched with this family and closed case, like done that they would talk to each other, the agencies, that the attorneys would have some way of like communicating and they don't, there's, there's no, um, checks and balances at all. It's, it's like the wild west and everybody's out to make as much money as they can. And I understand that there's fees. I get that they have to find these mothers and I get that they, you know, have legal expenses, but it's, it's a dark, dark industry. It really is. Well, I, when you said that, like, the facilitators don't even, like, meet with them, like, the fact that there's not, like, a face-to-face visit and some sort of check-in, you can just be feeding them whatever bullshit you want, and they're like, okay, cool, I'll write it down and pass it along. Absolutely. I could call tomorrow, and I could say that I'm pregnant, and I could send uh, ultrasound photos or... Maybe I could have been pregnant but lost the baby, you know, or aborted the baby, but I have proof of pregnancy, you know, from my doctor or um, from ultrasound. Um, It's really all it takes. 
It's really all it takes. There's not like follow-up. They don't follow up with you to make sure that you're going. They don't make sure that you're not continuing to use drugs. They don't make sure that you're going to your doctor's appointments. Like it is, you are just on your own as an adoptive parent. And I am sure, I don't want to speak for all adoption agencies because I am sure that there are agencies out there that are amazing and that they hold your hand the whole process and there's no hiccups and they maybe don't cost a ton of money. But I think there's a lot more bad than there is good, really, honestly. Now, I will say the facilitator, the woman who was handling the case, she had just adopted a baby herself. And so even though it was not her job, like it literally was not in her job description to stay on this case, she did but only out of the goodness of her heart, not because it was her responsibility, like in her job title. So she helped us, thank God. And she would get her on the phone sometimes and talk her off that ledge, you know, and say like, no, you don't want to go with another family. You can't be asking for more money. It's illegal to ask for more money. You can't do this. So she did help. I will say that. But um, there was no like moral ethical code of that business you know what i mean to to stay on that at all um so yeah so then you know for a few weeks we were just really miserable and everybody you know wanted to help because they didn't want us to badmouth them or anything else so they were going to put us on their short list and get us a baby even faster you know and that seemed so bizarre to me um and so um a local news station about maybe like an hour from here, they had asked us, you know, if they could tell our story and they aired it several times for some reason, I guess. I don't know why they just aired it more than once. And this woman happened to be watching and she sent them an email. And it's so funny because I have her email And my husband and I are sitting here, we're watching TV, we're feeling really sorry for ourselves. And we get this email one night and it's one of the reporters from this TV station. And they're like, okay, I don't know like what this is. I don't know if it's legit, but we got this email and we want to send it to you. We we want you to take a look at it. Let us know if you need our help. And so this email, like said, like I, I'm not crazy, like I'm not a crazy person, but I saw Beth and Rocky on the news tonight. My heart is like breaking in pieces for them. I am pregnant. I have a baby boy due in February. I need to give him up for adoption. And after seeing this, I feel like it was meant to be. I want Beth and Rocky to adopt my son. And I just remember in that moment being like, I swear to God, if this woman is trying to scam me, I will like like end the world for like everybody. (laughs) It's all over. And I'm like, like, I'm like, okay, God can't be this cruel. Like this has got to be like the, this has got to be the bright side to all of this. So we called her the next day. I emailed her and then talked to her. And a few days later, we were at an attorney's office signing papers and she's like in my life, she's still like the most amazing person. And it was like such a different experience. Like I got to do everything with her. I got to go to ultrasound appointments with her. She just went above and beyond, you know what I mean? To like make us feel 
loved and like she never asked for anything she never asked for anything like not a dime she just wanted her son to have the best life and we were there for the birth and we delivered him and like I held her legs and I pulled him (laughs) out and I cut the cord and it was just it was like a night and day experience so I think like anything in life there's so much goodness and joy and things but then there's also like a kind of seedy underbelly you know what I mean and a little goodness and we just happen to experience both you know and some people they don't experience any of the bad they just get the good you know they just get like all the wonderful stuff and then some people never get the wonderful stuff they just see the bad but we're lucky enough to get both but yeah so and that adoption I will say really didn't cost us much that was just attorney fees and like I said I think we paid her $300 copay like her insurance because in the state of Pennsylvania it was actually our attorneys told us it was illegal to give her anything beyond expenses for the baby right so she did if she didn't have health insurance but she did um we would have had to pay like her doctor's expenses and stuff but going through the agency it was always about birth mother expenses and they were getting thousands of dollars you know what i mean and so we just have a lot of questions still to this day like well are they allowed to get birth mother expenses or are they not allowed to get it like is it by state like I know in the state of Florida, I think it's like unlimited. There's like no cap on the amount of money that birth mothers can make. So like I would get cases from Florida and when we would get the Florida cases and we would laugh, like not laugh because it's, it's a crime. It really is a crime. But we would sit there and be like, oh, okay, it's November. This woman's due in December, but she needs $70,000 for her birth mother extensive. We were like, wow. Oh, like this one is living in the lap of luxury apparently she's got like a sixty thousand dollar mortgage um yeah it, it, it's a very state by state and um there's just there's so much to it but honestly i would go through all of it again i would do all of it again because i got like the greatest little reward in the end yeah part of me not that i would like share your child all over for people to see but just <laughs> having seen you and him and how happy and just adorable and just hilarious he is and how happy you are. It's just like, ugh. I mean, there's that, like the best silver lining ever, but to get away from like the fraud and the badness, because I don't want our story to only be about like tragedy and sadness. And I feel like for a long time, like anytime people wanted to talk to us, like news organizations or TV shows, it was all like focusing on like Shay and all the bad stuff she did and the criminality of it all, you know, but I think it's really important to say like, I love adoption. Like I think adoption is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me in my life. And I was on um, social media one day and this woman was kind of going off on a rant about the phrase adoption rocks. There's like, it's a, it's like a catchphrase in the adoption community. Oh, adoption rocks, adoption rocks. And it's like a hashtag that a lot of people use. And this woman was going off and she's like, adoption doesn't rock. Adoption is sad and it's loss and it's, you know, it's grief and it's all of these things and stop saying adoption rocks. And while I totally agree with what she's saying to an extent, because there is loss in there. You know what I mean? A woman is giving away like a part of her. And that I feel like is something 
that we just can't understand unless you go through it. There is so much joy also in that, you know, I, I see it and I kind of engaged with this woman about it. I said, you know, for me, like every situation's different. My, our, our birth mother always says that we were her angels. You know, we see each other in that sense. To me, she's like my angel on earth. I would do anything for her, but she sees us that way because she was in a situation where she wanted more than anything to keep him, but she just couldn't. Like she couldn't financially do it. She wasn't with the father. She wanted her son to have a dad. Like she wanted him to grow up and have that family unit and she couldn't give it to him. So like we helped her, you know? And so she is grateful. Now, does she, did she go to therapy afterwards? Yes. Did she have grief afterwards? Yes. But like, she's so happy that he's happy. You know what I mean? Right. And she's so happy that she could help us and make us parents to him. And like I said, it changed my life. It, she did something for me that I couldn't do for myself. So there's a relationship there between her and I, that it's so hard to explain, like such a love and a bond that will forever, ever, ever be there. There's such a love and a bond, you know, between me and my son and her and him, you know, there's just, there's so much goodness to it. Right. And I always say it's my favorite thing to talk about. Adoption is my favorite thing to talk about because it made me a mom. And that's what I wanted my whole life was to be a mom. And I wish I would have done it sooner. That's my only regret. My only regret is like, I wish I wouldn't have wasted the thousands and thousands of dollars on IVF chasing this idea that I had that in order to be a mother, I had to be pregnant, you know, and that's what I try to say to people now, like, do you want to be pregnant or do you want to be a mom? Because they don't have to be like one in the same, you can be every bit of a mother and not have birthed your child, you know? Right. So, um, so it does make me sad sometimes because I do have several friends and acquaintances that when I was going through IVF and I was going through my infertility, they were going through the same thing as well. And they chose not to adopt. And that is their choice. And that is fine. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion, their own life, their own choices. But I know they're sad that they're not mothers. And I know that they grieve that all the time, like that they didn't have a child. But I also know that a lot of these women, we've had the conversation, adopt, adopt, adopt. And they've said things to me like, I just don't think adoption's for me. I don't think I could love a child that's not mine, you know, that I didn't birth. And it makes me so sad. It makes yeah. me so sad because I know, I know what they could have. You know what I mean? Right. But I think we like make ourselves think sometimes that like, unless it's me, unless it's my, you know, my awesome egg and my partner's awesome sperm, you know, and, and <laughs> then how can I possibly love it? You know? Right. And I think so many people miss out on just like the greatest, greatest joy like ever. So that's why. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure that some of them look at you and like maybe even, well, hopefully some people I'm sure that you've inspired because there's no doubt that kid is yours through <laughs> and through and that it all worked out like so perfectly. I so. do think that you like, I hate to be like, I'm not a religious person. I've never been, but I am a spiritual person 
and I, I'm always like trying to figure it out, you know, and find my way there. And, and like I said, when, when everything happened and the adoption failed, I got so rip roaring drunk one night, like, I mean, dead ass drunk. And I, <laughs> cause I'm drowning my sorrows, you know, at this point, I think it was the night it happened. Like, I think it was the first night it happened. And I was like laying on the floor, you know, mother of the year, <laughs> who would want to give me their kid. And I, I went up to bed and I grabbed my phone and I remember going on Facebook and I wrote, I never believed there was a God and now I'm sure of it. And I posted it. And my husband, I heard my husband on the phone with somebody and he comes flying up the stairs and he's like, Beth, 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 your mom saw that post she wants you to take it down right now you can't post things like that you can't i know you're hurting i know that's what you feel you gotta take it down right now so i know you're drunk wake up wake up you know go on your phone but it like pulls up my facebook for me it's like delete 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 so i did and i wrestled with all this stuff for like a really long time and then i kind of like i say like our birth mom renewed my faith in humanity and she renewed my faith in God because I felt like he was always meant to be, you know, he was always meant to be my son and had all that bad shit not happened, then I would never have found him. Like he never would have come to me. I had to be hurt so badly in adoption. Like she couldn't have just changed her mind. You know what I mean? She couldn't just be like, I decided to keep it. I had to be like railroaded, you know what I mean? Like sucker punch, like really good for the news to care. You know what I mean? Like they had to care. And so they put me on the news and then they had to have felt like it was such a heart wrenching story that they ran it multiple times. And then she happened to see it, you know, and for all of that to like happen and come together. And I absolutely 100% believe like he was always my son. He was like always meant for me. And the timing just had to work. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I'm a firm believer in that. I think just back to just, you know, just dark times in my life, nothing like you've dealt with, but it's like one day, one decision could have set all of that Mm -hmm. on a different course, you know, and it's like, you can look back now and be like, it was, it was all worth it. And yeah, I would go back in a second, do it a thousand times again to get here. Yeah. I think sometimes we don't see our our losses and our, like, when we grieve, sometimes the things that we're grieving over are like springboards to something better, you know? And I don't want to sound like a meme, but like, <laughs> like, I don't want to be like, oh, this is a meme on Pinterest. Is she <laughs> um, but like, I do, I look back on my life and I think of all the horrible things that have happened. I've had a very charmed life. Let me take that back. Okay. I am by no means am one to sit here and be like, oh, I've had a horrible life. I've had an incredible <laughs> life. But bad things that I feel like were bad for me, you know, whether it was relationships or divorces or this fraud or miscarriages or whatever, everything pushed me to the next thing, which was better and better and better and better, you know, and I think is or more meant for you. You know what I mean? Right. More better suited for you. So I say those things and I know there's people who are like, okay, blah, you know, if you would have had a baby or I'm sure you would have been just as happy with Shay's baby from Alabama and you'd be saying the same thing. And maybe, maybe that's true. But I just, I look at my little boy and I just, I'm like, so glad it's him. You know, 
so, so, so glad that it's him. So Yeah. Yeah, it was definitely meant to be. But I definitely, like, now I feel like my whole life is about promoting adoption, helping people who want to adopt. Like, my blog is about adoption. It, like, everything I do now, I feel like if I'm going to put it out there, it's got to be how can I help somebody in this. I had a woman contact me the other day, her son um, and his partner want to adopt and she's asking me for my advice on it. And I had another person, like a stranger on Instagram, reach out to me and ask me for my advice and like how I could help them. And I'm not an expert by any means, but if like I can do something to help somebody and promote adoption, you know what I mean? If I can get people to be like, Oh, it sounds wonderful. You know, as, as much as I like talk horribly about what happened in the beginning with, with um, our failed adoption, but if I can get people to see that as like a great option, you know, and to just help people make a family, that's like all right. I that's like all I want to talk about and all I want to promote. Yeah. Well, plus, I mean, I, I hate that you went through it, but you you going and having that kind of rough road, getting to him, just it will help other families kind of know what to watch for. Right. Uh, you know, things to look out. And there's just so many families that are looking for kids and so many kids that need to be adopted that it's like, right. you know, everything that you put out there is just going to help make more of those connections. And I think yeah. that that's awesome. And there's so many different ways to do it. There's fostering and there's so many older kids that need homes. So maybe a baby isn't for you, you know, but maybe you're more better suited for a toddler or, um, you know, a kid who's like in their, you know, like early teens, um, there's so many different ways to get there. You don't have to, I've heard people say, well, I don't have $40,000, you know, and I get that. Like I 100% get that. Um, so there's foster to adopt and there's, there is, I tell everybody, if you want to adopt the best advice that was given to me, tell every single person, you know, that you want to adopt because there's always somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody, you know, it's going to come back to you somehow. Uh, a lot of my girlfriends that adopted, that's how they found their daughters. You know, somebody knew somebody who was in a bad way, you know what I mean? And they're in their church group and they, they need to give the baby up for adoption. And I don't want to, um, taint birth mothers and put them in a bad light just because of one bad egg, you know, like Shay was a bad egg. And that's what I despised the most about her was that she ruined something that could be so beautiful and so wonderful for so many people. And she put such a bad taste in my mouth and, you know, her story was shared all over and, and, and so many people reacted to what she did and were just disgusted by it. And there's, I would say that 99.9% .9 of birth moms out there are the most selfless, loving, amazing women on the planet. They're stronger than anybody out there to do what they do to ensure that this child of theirs has a better life. That to me is like unthinkable, the strength and like the grace and courage and all of those things. But there are always going to be people who play the system, you know what I mean? Right. And yeah. make it look sketchy for others. So I just want to stress that. I think birth mothers are amazing. Yeah. And I don't want people to be afraid of that, you know, if they want to adopt. I don't want them to be afraid of it. I would do it again, you know, but I just think people need to know what to look for. They need to be wise. They need to not because when you're going into this, you're like going in with your emotions. You know what I mean? You're you're not thinking clearly. You're like, I want to have a baby. I want to be a mom. 
you know, and so you're like, I'll pay whatever, I'll do whatever, I'll say whatever, I'll go wherever, you know, like you're just willing to, to go to the ends of the earth for it. But you have to be smart, you know, because that the the point one percent of people who will take advantage, that's what they're looking for. You know, they're looking for the people who have the rose colored glasses on and they're like, Oh, sure, whatever. So, you know, money. Birth moms who are in this for the right reasons, they're yes, do they need help? Sure. But they should not be calling you begging for money. You know, what I mean, that's not the name of the game. Like they're they're doing this because they want their child to benefit. So I think any red flags that show like a selfishness, a me, 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 you know what I mean? That should be a red flag. Um, right. And anybody who's, oh, I forgot to mention real quick, because I know this is going long. I forgot to mention. Oh, no, you're fine. The reason that Shay didn't want to work with our original attorney is because that attorney was representing one of the other families that she was working with. So she knew, she knew that the jig would be up. You know what I mean? You had to go pick another attorney. So, so many twists and turns to the story. I forget as I go along, but. um, What a shithead, man. Yeah. Total shithead. I will say when, when she got sentenced though, I was like, she has two kids of her own that she raises. And I was like really taken aback by the sentence, but she showed no remorse. And I think that's why the judge really threw the book at her because she had this long criminal history and like still, like when she was being sentenced was like, I didn't do anything wrong. Like, like she just didn't get it. So, but I was like really bothered by that sentence. So I was happy that he, I think I forget what it's called. Uh, there's a name for it, but he, you know, made it so that she only has to serve five years in jail and then um, 15 probation. So I just hope she never does it again. Hopefully she's like a red flag somewhere for these you know, facilitators it's, it's, and agencies. Like I, said, like I said, there's no checks and balances. So hopefully, yeah. you know, if she's out of prison and she's still able to have babies, hopefully there is a big red flashing check next to her name. Like, no, no. Yeah. But until like laws change, I don't think that will be the case. So, well, do you have, um, any, I mean, you've touched on it a little bit, but like any recommendations? My recommendations are again, tell everybody, you know, that you want to adopt. There's no shame. There's nothing to be embarrassed or, you know, um, like afraid of you got to put it out there. You got to just, tell everybody because like I said, there's always someone who knows someone you will be surprised. One thing that I was always amazed about was once I put it out there and once I became an adopted mom, the amount of people that would come to me and say, I'm adopted or I adopted my kids. It is so much more common than people realize. And there's like this little community then, and then everybody wants to help everybody, you know? So it's really never, know who you're talking to so tell as many people as you possibly can that you want to adopt um just be safe like i know you want to put it on the internet and i know you want to start like a facebook page and everything but there are predators out there so you do have to be careful try to go to um like resources financially there's a group called helpusadopt.org and they help with grants for people who want to adopt um because it can be expensive um, 
And you know, there are good agencies out there. So contact an agency, get as much information as you can. Knowledge is power. I hate to sound again, like, you know, a broken record or a meme on Pinterest, but knowledge is power. So the more we went to information sessions, I read books and articles. I tried to talk to as many people who adopted children. I talked to my friends who were adopted. I just tried to get as much information as possible. And I think once you dive into that world, you'll see opportunities present themselves. Um, if you have the means to spend the money, then just, you know, vet the agency, make sure that they're on the up and up and find out if they're there to like walk you through the whole process from beginning to end. Cause it can be very confusing. Um, but if not, there's a lot of great um, adoption attorneys out there. It's what they do. It's all they do. So they have access to cases. A lot of times a woman will be going to prison. And I hate to say like, oh, this is a good one. But there are women out there that are pregnant and they are going to be going to jail and they cannot keep the baby in jail. They have to get the baby up for adoption. They don't have family that the baby can go to. So a lot of times lawyers will know about those cases. And one more, because I don't think enough women think about this option, tell your gynecologist that you want to adopt because your gynecologist sees a lot of women who are pregnant but might not want to keep the baby. Right. And so that's an option as well. I know my gynecologist had like a list and she put me on the list and it was like, when those people came in, if they didn't want to have an abortion, you know what I mean? They wanted to give the baby up for adoption. She would suggest like, well, I know several families here locally that would take the baby. So like I said, just tell everybody, stay, stay alert and aware, but just try to be as optimistic and positive as possible because it will happen. Did you want to promote your blog? Sure. Yeah. yeah. So if you have any questions about infertility, adoption, um, being a new parent, um, just pretty much anything. I, I feel like I have a lot of topics that I talk about divorce, being a step parent. Um, I have a blog called a true story.net, um, a true story.net. And I just kind of am as open and honest as I can be. And I swear a lot. So, you know, I just, it's who I am, <laughs> but I just feel like there's a lot of power and sharing your story and it gives people courage to share theirs and I'm always open like if you have any questions you can email me at beth at a true story.net um and I'm always happy to help and yeah that's that that awesome <laughs> yeah this is so great I'm so happy for you I'm so glad you're doing this good to talk to you even though like yeah. you've been frozen this pretty much all time <laughs> but yeah thank you so much for telling your story and um hey I lost you can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Now you froze. And this is where Skype was like, no, nah, you two are done. Um, so our conversation ended very abruptly, but huge, huge, huge thank you to Beth for sharing your story. I am so sorry that um, you experienced the heartbreak that you did along the adoption process, but I'm so thankful that everything worked out the way it did. Your little boy is absolutely precious, and he is so lucky to have you and Rocky and his sisters, and I'm so happy you guys found each other. Um, it was definitely meant to be. Check out Beth's blog at atruestory.net. Also, please like our Facebook page at Know What I Heard Podcast. It can also be found on Instagram at Know What I Heard. 
thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate it so, so much. And another huge thank you to Beth for sharing your story. And I guess until next time, hey, know what I heard? 